welcome to the Polygamer Podcast, where gaming is for everyone. Join us as we expand the boundaries of the gaming community. Hello and welcome to Polygamer Podcast, episode number 62. I'm your host, Ken Gagney, and joining me this week is my dear friend and Polygamer alumna, Sabriel Mastin. Hello, Sabriel. Hey, Ken. Thank you for having me back. It's a pleasure to have you back on the show. You are calling us all the way from Fargo, North Dakota. Oh, yeah. Don't you know? <laughs> I love that <laughs> accent. Thank you so much for sharing it. When I start making fun of it, it actually starts coming out like, like coming out more pronounced. Don't you have the most popular YouTube video for how to do a Fargo accent? I think it is now. Or if not, it's up there. <laughs> And of course, you're also the person who introduced me, an Apple II enthusiast, to the little-known game, Where in North Dakota is Carmen Sandiego? Yes, yes, that's an interesting, interesting game with an interesting story. <laughs> and we'll get to that later in the show, but in the meantime, the reason you're on the here today is because of your fairly new title of Head of Social Media and Support for Overbuff, which is a social media company associated with Overwatch, the Blizzard game, is that correct? I'm mostly correct. Overbuff is a, I don't want to say subsidiary, but a part, a part of ELO Entertainment. Our ELO is uh, Overbuff and Dota Buff. Overbuff, we do statistics for Overwatch. And Dota Buff, they do statistics for Dota 2. And so I help run things on the Overbuff side. Excellent. And Overwatch, I have not myself played that. It's possible that some of our listeners have not either. Can you give us a brief primer on what Overwatch is? Yes, Overwatch is a first-person shooter, a team-based game made by the same people who made the Warcraft series. A lot of people have heard of that, or Starcraft and Diablo. Well, they went and made a first-person shooter where you have six people on your team, six people on the other team, and you are working together to complete an objective, be it capture a payload or capture a point, kind of like King of the King of the Hill, like your old uh, was that like schoolyard games where you try to be on top of a mountain. And then the other one is uh, just a capture point system where you're just trying to progress further into a map. And so Overwatch is you have different heroes on each side. You can each pick a person, be it like a big beefy person to take the hits, a healer, or someone who does damage. And you want to find the right balance to beat the other team and take your objective. Among the objectives, I didn't hear you mention a deathmatch mode. There is not. That is something that has kind of been interesting because Blizzard is like, nope, you can go to other games for deathmatch. Now, this one's strictly team-based, and you are trying to work together on a goal. But it is still competitive, because it's still six-on-six. Six. Correct, correct. Mm. What if I don't have five other people I want to play with, or 11 people? Um, what, what the game does is you can just join in solo, and it pits you against a bunch of random people. You could be put on other people's groups, or you can be all, everyone six versus six. You're all just random people playing together, and that has its own challenges. <laughs> But uh, yeah, you do, you can go in solo. You never have to talk to another person, but you'll be on their team. Or you can get together with friends, up to six friends, and face others. So whether or not you do know other people, you will be playing with other people. There's no one-player campaign mode. Correct. There's no campaign. Uh, the closest thing you can do to solo is training mode, or you could set up a match where you're against, against bots. I've heard people complain sometimes that certain games sort of throw in the one-player mode as an afterthought, or they throw in the multiplayer mode as an afterthought, and that one version or the other kind of sounds half-baked, and they seem to lament the absence of whichever mode isn't really fully there. This game 
doesn't sound like most first-person shooters I know of. It doesn't really have two versions where one is better than the other. It has just the multiplayer mode. Does that make it a, a better shooter or a worse shooter? I'd say it really depends on what you are going in and wanting. Like, uh, yeah, Overwatch has no single-player content at all, like no no campaign mode. So if you're looking for that, like you're not going to get it here at all. There's no story uh, in-game. There's no story. So yeah, like you have to play with others more or less. And that's very subjective though on if it's better or not. I mean, there's plenty of games you can go to that uh, are single player or have single player in mind. And how does this game's multiplayer mode match up against those other games that do have multiplayer modes? I hear a lot of people playing Doom and Quake or Unreal Tournament or Call of Duty, Battlefield, etc. There are so many first person shooter games out there. Why play Overwatch? You were kind of aging yourself there, for a bit there, Ken. Was I? What? <laughs> what I do? We're talking about Quake and Doom and whatnot, and all those games. Uh, and and, and don't forget Descent, for a while. Descent, and Golden Eye, oh, and I love Descent. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, some of those games have had remakes, but the, their heyday was a while ago. <laughs> well, what do I know? Come on. <laughs> That's okay. That's okay. Um, Re- respect your elders, Gabriel. Respect your elders. <laughs> Wait. You're not that much older than me. It doesn't matter how much. The fact is, I am older than you. <laughs> it's a binary statement, Sabriel. <laughs> so, the question is, what makes Overwatch's multiplayer mode distinct or unique or special compared to other modern first-person shooter multiplayer modes? So, uh, most most uh, multiplayer games, uh, shooters, you can pretty much go in there and try to be Rambo and do your best. There are a few exceptions, like Counter-Strike is one. But uh, Counter-Strike and Overwatch, they are very much a team-based game. You are working together, usually smaller groups of people as well, to complete an objective. Whereas those other games, let's say like Battlefield 1 is big right now as we record this, and you go in there, and at least in my experience, you go in there, and it's just a rampage of you hoping no one can find you and shoot you, and then you you die, you respawn a few seconds later, go, 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 do it again, again, again. And that's not fun to me at all. I like the teamwork aspect of it, of Overwatch, whereas I do not get that in uh, most other games I play, at least most other first-person shooters. So it is team-oriented, but that doesn't necessarily sound appealing to me, because if I'm being matched with strangers to play with, I feel like there's a lot of responsibility to support them and meet their expectations. And if I'm not good at the game, then I'm going to let everybody down. That is one of the hard parts about uh, Overwatch, especially uh, at the beginning, it was really difficult for a number of people who were just picking up the game and had no idea what was going on. They pick it up and try to be the Rambo person and do everything themselves. And they would fail horribly because they weren't working with their team go uh, try to do everything themselves. Well, when you're one versus six, when you're one person versus six others, you're going to have a hard time. And so after a while, people started figuring out like, oh, we have to work together. And honestly, the game does not train you on this very well at all. You have to kind of figure it out as you go. Overwatch or Blizzard itself has actually kind of developed a system to help keep players of similar skill level uh, together. And uh, so that way, you may be new to the game, you'll likely be playing with other newbies. Uh, So you're all trying to figure this out at the same time. Um, there is a competitive mode where you rank and you get a certain uh, score or skill rating, and then you definitely, definitely, definitely will be instead of 
are playing with people of similar skill level, whereas opposed to like the quick play mode where Blizzard has a good idea that you're all kind of general same skill level, but not exactly, not necessarily close. And so, yeah, but it can be kind of scary for a newbie going in, like, you have no idea what you want to do. You just go in there, there's a pretty game where you get to shoot people. It can be kind of scary at first, yeah. And just hope that you overcome it. And how do you coordinate with your teammates, whether they are friends of yours or strangers or newbies that you've been matched with? You need to make sure you're all on the same page and you have a game plan as you go in so that you're not doing the one-person Rambo thing. How do you coordinate amongst each other? All right, so um, on the very basic level, they have voice comms in the game if you want to use them. They also have chat. What, what's, the, what's the difference between those two, voice comm and chat? Voice comms being you can just talk with your voice, use a microphone in-game, where chat would just be type out what you want to do. Got it. There's also a limited emote system where you can say, group up with me, or I need healing, or push the objective. Uh, to try to try to encourage people to, like, if someone doesn't want to use the voice comms, they can use some very basic uh, instructions to get people on the same page. Otherwise, sometimes people use like Discord on the outside, which is a voice chat or text chat thing on the outside of the game, but people use it for the voice to work together. Usually they're friends who are doing this. But uh, in-game, after you've played for a bit, you start understanding that out of your six people, you tend to need uh, two healers, uh, two people who are known as DPS, who are just trying to do as much damage as they can uh, to the enemy team. And you tend to usually have uh, two tanks. Tanks are ones who soak up damage to keep your allies from getting hit. And that's kind of turned into uh, the general accepted, this is the best way to achieve our goal system. And like I said, there's nothing in game that really teaches you that. You just kind of experience that as you play. There aren't tutorials, like the first level where it shows you how to aim, how to shoot, how to look up and down. It's just, here's the game, have fun. Uh, that is mostly it. There's one tutorial when you first load up the game that shows you the super basics of moving around and shooting, and that's it, which can be kind of jarring. And like I said, there's um, when I said like teams are usually two tanks, two DPS, two healers, you don't have to do that. You could have everybody try to be DPS, uh, try to be damage. That means you're not going to have any healers, you're not going to have anybody stopping the damage from hitting your team. And so, I mean, the game allows for that. It's not necessarily usually the best way to do it, but you certainly can try. And maybe the other team is doing something similar. So it does kind of turn into a chaotic uh, shoot fest. <laughs> and you can kill other people. You just don't get points for it. Right, right. There's no, there's not really a scoring system. It does keep track of how many eliminations you get, but that doesn't necessarily have any bearing on how well your team is doing if they don't take advantage of you doing well. And after the game is over and one team has completed its objective, I understand there's something called a play of the game. Ah, yes, yes. Um, so the Blizzard developed an automated system that tries to calculate what was the coolest moment from the game based on a number of factors such as uh, how many kills a person got with one special ability or how many kills in a very short amount of time. And so after the game is finished, all of a sudden it goes play of the game, uh, save reality uh, on Zarya. And so let me show my, uh, the viewpoint from my screen doing my special ability thing and just laying waste to the enemy team. And then uh, everyone gets to see that awesome moment from the game and hopefully talk about it afterwards and how awesome it was. <laughs> but it was only awesome for one of the teams. For the other team, it may have been an embarrassing moment. And Overwatch oh, yeah. is basically calling attention to somebody's failure. Failure is a strong word because this game, you are expected to die a lot. 
Okay. And so, I mean, if someone has a good play, sometimes like both teams will be like, yeah, that was awesome. Yeah, you did really well on this one. Other times people will just quit before they even see the play of the game come up. They're like, no, I don't want to see this. <laughs> well, that's not very nice. Uh, hey, they don't have to see it. <laughs> <laughs> Most people don't see it as a failure. It's like, yep, I mean, dying is a very much a part of the game. And so hmm. like, yep, you had a good push here. Well done. Some people will, will, I mean, there's a few people in the community who are quite toxic. And when they see something like, oh, yeah, you screwed up really big here. But that's kind of you and far between in that kind of example. Hmm. Well, speaking of toxic behavior, as you mentioned, in a game like this, there is not only the opportunity, but perhaps the expectation to be using voice chat to coordinate amongst each other. Some individuals may not be comfortable with that. Uh, I've heard that once some players recognize that one of their teammates is a woman, they start treating them differently, for example. Oh, yeah. Uh, I've gotten this, too. <laughs> yeah? Is that a problem? Problem is a strong word, but I'd say, okay, the majority of the community is amazing and awesome, but small number of people are very vocal, and they're very good at ruining it for everyone else. Like, I've had, uh, let's see, off the top of my head, I had one person... Who, once I started talking, he just kept going in the, in the voice that I'm mimicking here. Are you a girl? Are you a girl? Are, is that over and over again for about 30 seconds until I'm like, okay, this guy is just getting blocked. <laughs> or I've had um, one person go on about the sexual things he wanted me to do to him. Oh, God, that's awful. Yeah. Um, other ones who, let's see. Usually I've got me. Are you a 13-year-old boy? Like. That's a very stereotypical one. And uh, yeah, I mean, there are some people who are asshats in there. <laughs> but majority of people are pretty good. And you're able to block those individuals that you don't have to listen to them or play with them again? Block and report. Block and report. <laughs> yep, that's, that's my go-to. Um, if it's something that's someone being offensive, like, yeah, report. Blizzard, unfortunately, does not tell you if they take any actions on the players that you report. So a number of people are like, What's the, even the point of reporting if I never see any results of this? And, you know, that's something I wish Blizzard would consider uh, addressing in the future. They say, like, rest assured, we take care of these things, but the people never know. Like, I know other game companies like Valve, I think, they, I think it's Valve, they say, like, they don't say who, but we took action on one of your reports or something like that. Whereas Blizzard is like, thank you, see you later. I can see how that would be dissatisfying, that you don't know if you're going to encounter that person again. Right. And even blocking someone doesn't necessarily mean you're never going to play with them again. It just means you won't hear them. And usually, there's so many people in the game, you'll probably never see them again. But it's possible. It's very possible they'll be on your team. If, or if they're blocked, you'll never hear them. But uh, they could be saying crap about you to the other four people. Now, you said most of the community is pretty awesome. Is that typical of online gaming and first-person shooters? Or are you saying specifically that Overwatch tends to attract a pretty high caliber of character? I'm going to say game, online gaming in general. Most people are pretty cool and not jerks. I mean, it's the same with World of Warcraft as well. I played that for 10 years, and overwhelming majority of people were great there. Just a few jerks who would, you know, kind of take the... who kind of ruin it for a few people. But, you know, easy to report them again, too. But again, you never knew if anything ever happened to them. If you do want to have the same individuals playing with you every time so you know what sort of interaction to expect, do you have a guild or a team that you play in? A Blizzard has not built any kind of guild or clan system into the game yet, but you have a friends list, and you can see when they're online. And you can just pop in and say, hey, you want to play together? Blizzard also has their own thing called um, 
Battle.net launcher or Battle.net chat. So you can talk to each other outside of the game too. And uh, chat that way, you coordinate, what have you. Now, even though you said that the game itself doesn't have a campaign mode with a story mode or whatever, I understand that nonetheless, the characters that you play as, they're not simply tanks and healers. They themselves have a lot of backstory to them. Is that right? That is correct. It's an interesting thing that there is virtually no story in the game. But outside of the game, uh, Blizzard has give, uh, made comics, uh, web comics anyway, various featurettes, like videos telling the stories of various heroes but yeah there's not a there's hardly any story in game at all it's something i really wish they would put in there but they don't so who are these characters can you give us a brief example okay well the, the most famous one uh, for various reasons is tracer she's this british gal who's got like spiky hair and zips around uh with the use of her chrono accelerator she calls it which she can travel through time her own timeline and uh, she's probably one of my favorite characters, just because of her spunky attitude, adorableness, and uh, later on it was revealed she's gay. But time travel sounds like a power that's rife for abuse. Like, if you're about to get shot, you can just rewind to before you got shot and avoid it. Actually, yes, you, you got it exactly. She has the ability to rewind time, or for her, three seconds, to appear where she was three seconds ago. And you can only use this ability, like, what, once every 12 seconds or so, 10 seconds? And so, yeah, if you take a bunch of damage, you can rewind yourself, undo that damage, and reappear where you were three seconds ago. But it doesn't, it doesn't rewind other people. Correct. Just Gotcha. Her. Gotcha. Hmm. And I understand that there is a healing sniper? Yes. Anna is my favorite hero to play. Uh, she's in a, Which is interesting. She's an older woman. Very rare in video games where you get to play as an older woman. And she, her story was years ago, and she was... Um, Providing cover fire for a team, and she failed at her mission. She was shot in the eye and disappeared after that. People knew, uh, people assumed she was dead, and uh, all of a sudden, thirty years later or so, she reappears, and here she is. And she uh, stole plans for some kind of like biotic, or some some biotic plans. It means basically she shoots little darts to heal her allies, and poison her enemies when they hit them. And uh, it's a very different take on healers. Usually healers are someone who's right there in the thick of things, so she can just hang back and snipe from a distance and heal her allies. Well, that's an interesting variation on the sniper role, that you can basically cast healing spells without having to be in touch range. Right, right. And I love it. And I just love her character. Like I said, she's just like a 60 or 65-year-old woman. Like, you never get to play old people in games. <laughs> like, it's so rare. As you said, in Overwatch, you're expected to die a lot, so I guess the presumption is that people don't live to be 60 years old. <laughs> Actually, um, what was the developers? How do they say this? So there's a story of Overwatch, and then the game of Overwatch, where you're basically playing with your toy soldiers and having little skirmishes. It has no bearing on the actual story at all. And so there's that. <laughs> oh, okay. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's an interesting take on the whole system. So they can build up this beautiful storyline around the whole thing. And then you just go in there and, yeah, this is just a made-up thing. Basically, you playing with your imagination of your toy soldiers fighting each other. Kind of like Disney Infinity. Yeah, yeah, that's another good way to put it <laughs> and look at it. So what system are you playing this game on? I play this on PC, but it is out for Xbox One, whatever the new one is. <laughs> I have to think about that. <laughs> Xbox One and PlayStation 4. 
Oh, nice. I have a PS4. Maybe I should uh, I should check it out. If you think you're into shooters, give it a shot. So this game came out last May. You started playing it, and somehow you got on the radar of Overbuff. What is Overbuff, and how did you get connected with them? All right, so Overbuff is a site that uses statistics or reports statistics of your uh, what you've done in-game. Uh, Blizzard uh, has a detailed list of things they report, and so we take that information and display it using charts and graphs and ways that you can easier read it and hopefully see your trends on how you're doing as well. Last summer, they were looking for a social media person. Now I hang out in a Discord channel um, called Girl Gamers. It's a Discord channel based off of a Reddit, a subreddit on Reddit. And um, someone there is like, hey, we're looking for this person. Go ahead here to apply. I'm like, sure, what the heck? I'm jobless at the moment, so I'll give it a shot. A month or two later, here I, or, or, there I was, all of a sudden, their social media person. Congratulations. Oh, thank you. I'm very happy. It was a nice job switch from the office job that I used to have. Usually when one applies for jobs, they don't put their video gaming hobbies on their resume, but I assume <laughs> that they wanted to see that you were a dedicated gamer when you applied for this position. Oh, yeah. She, uh, I was asked the questions like, you know, like, how do you get your Overwatch news? What sites do you go to? Um, like, what's your Twitter profile? And such. And so, like, well, how much do you play the game and how much do you play other games? And so, yeah, it's very nice to be able to use this, I mean, my gaming background to be able to get a job in gaming. Were you a good Overwatch player when you applied for this job? Oh, gosh, no. And I still <laughs> I consider myself one, but <laughs> thankfully that wasn't a requirement. I was wondering if, because I have applied for writing jobs where they give me a writing assignment. They put me in a locked room for an hour and see what I can produce. I was wondering if they would like watch you play Overwatch and see if you would pass their test. <laughs> no, no. They did have me create some sample tweets and whatnot of things. But uh, other than that, like, uh, no, no, no gameplay is required. <laughs> So if Overbuff is basically taking data that Blizzard makes available and displaying it in a more consumable fashion, what is their monetization model, if I may ask? I can't talk about that. <laughs> okay. Mm -hmm. Wow, how was, mysterious. Okay, how about, I don't know if I can talk about that. How about that? Okay, fair enough. I assume this is not a volunteer position, though, that you're working. Oh, no, no, I'm actually paid. Okay. So what is your responsibility? Do you, men you mentioned that you do craft some tweets. Or do you have to spend time in-game? Playing the game is actually not a requirement, but I do already. I just love the game so much. But most of the, my good share of my day is... Uh, okay, a lot of this is in the background as I'm doing other, th other things at home or doing errands. But uh, keeping an eye on the Blizzard Twitter feed, uh, Blizzard forums to see what the de developers are saying, um, watching tournaments, Overwatch tournaments, watching what pros are saying, watching what the community is saying, and reporting on that. Or if there is, or just making tweets, constructing about that, sharing information about the community. There's also holiday events that happen periodically. Like there was a Halloween event. There was a winter holiday event. There was recently the Chinese New Year event. So what I do, right when that information comes out, like right when the patch pushes out, I race in there Take all the screen grabs I can of the new costumes they put out for cost or for heroes or new voice lines and whatnot, and put out as much of that as I can on the Twitter feed, so people can see that and push views our way. Does Overbuff itself sponsor any in-game events, or is it more of a reactionary company where it sees what Overwatch is doing and then capitalizes on that? Uh, right now, it's more reactionary. Who knows what the future will bring? Okay. What is your favorite part of the job? I love interacting with the community. 
be it the players, be it uh, the developers, be it the pro community or pro community. I love uh, just interacting with people and getting to know them. I mean, that's been a big thing in my life even before I took this position. I love to listen to people. I love to talk to people, get to know people in the gaming community. And so it's probably one of my favorite parts is being the, the social part of social media. I think a lot of people, and I speak from having worked on social media campaigns, misunderstand the potential for social media. They use it to push content out in a one-way fashion, which is very traditional media, whereas social is more about engaging your audience and not necessarily seeing how many likes and retweets you can get, but actually interacting with them. Do you do a lot of, so you do a lot of interaction via all these different means? Yeah, I have um, a few Twitter search lists. Uh, I use TweetDeck a lot. So I search for terms like Overwatch or Overbuff in particular. Even if people don't tweet at us, I'll see people talking talking about us. And if it's something that's uh, reasonable or, you know, not being mad, (laughs) I'll chime in there just have a conversation with people and people seem to love that and it's something uh, other sites who are similar to us don't seem to do so i like to add that little bit of personal flair that people really seem to appreciate and the conversations that you're seeing are mostly people not talking specifically about overbuff but about overwatch and you're interjecting yourself into that conversation are they cool with that or do they feel like who's this overbuff company that's trying to get <laughs> in on our turf uh, well these people uh, these people are usually people who are already talking or like they say these are, this is my rank on overbuff or this is my stats on overbuff and i'll chime in there like hey you're rocking you're doing really well or don't worry about it you can keep going like or you'll be doing better soon or things like that or people will be like some people will be taunting each other playfully and i will chime in there i mean when it's obviously it's playful i will chime in there and make some kind of comment beat for one person or against the other person and they have a good laugh out about it or um some people just be really happy with how well they're doing. They'll say, hey, this is my stats on Overbuff, or these are my stats on Overbuff. And I'll just reply with uh, a GIF, or GIF for people who say it wrong, uh, <laughs> <laughs> of dancing or someone being happy. Or people will just say, I love Overbuff. So I reply on there with a big heart. Or something like that. And people seem to love it. They'll reply like, oh, I love you guys, or you're great, or I love Overbuff, I love Overbuff, I love Overbuff. <laughs> Oh, this is great. I'm sure that the sense of community in gaming is not new to people like me, but we all experience it in different ways. For example, for me, community comes from attending in-person events here in Boston, or such as PAX East, or maybe interacting with individuals such as yourself on Twitter. I don't really play online games, so most of my gaming, if not all of it, is either solo or couch play. I don't really have the community experience that you do, and it's great to hear that what I experience on Twitter or in person is true online as well. Oh, absolutely. Wow. You got me thinking, like, I don't remember the last time. I barely remember the time when I didn't have that kind of community because when I started Twitter in, what, 2007, 2008, I almost immediately jumped into the World of Warcraft community. And it's like, I've had this for, you know, like almost 10 years of just being this online community of people to talk to. And even before that, uh, what were all the sites? Um, we got, uh, not, not, oh, there was GameFAQs. There was Slash.org. Or was it Slash.org? Slash.com? And I mean, a number of other sites where people would commute. IGN or N64.com. It's like, I took to the online communities a long time ago. Oh, gosh. N64.com was 1996, Ken. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well, yeah, that would be when that system was released in the States. Uh-huh, uh-huh. September. Wow. You're old, Brie. Oh, I know. 
<laughs> getting the gray hairs to prove it. <laughs> oh, we all are. Yeah. It's a mark of pride. I, I actually take it as a mark of pride. I don't mind them one bit. But every time I get my side shave buzzed and I see the gray hairs collecting in a pool of hair, I'm like, oh, there's more there than there was last time. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't really been a member of online communities in that sense. I mean, surely I was a member of message boards back on the CompuServe and AOL era. Not that I was on AOL. But as far as the actual gaming experience goes, I had a Mac. And so for a lot of games, I couldn't play them because they were Windows only. Yeah, and exactly. so I just got into the habit of not playing computer games even when they were available to me. I've never played an MMORPG, including World of Warcraft. And I think the last online shooter I played was when I tried playing GoldenEye on the Wii online. And I was terrible at it. And there was no interaction <laughs> with other people, so I didn't oh, know no. if they were having fun playing with me or if they were just snickering to themselves about the noob. Honestly, back in... GoldenEye Wii, most people, since you couldn't talk to each other, it was, no one was making fun of you. <laughs> <laughs> you don't I think? Tell you, I don't think so. I played a little bit of that too. It was kind of neat to be able to rehash the old memories, but it wasn't the same as playing in your own living room with your friends. Yeah, I still like couch play, but it's hard to get people to all come together in one place. Why is everyone so busy and not on my time? Right. Of course, if, when you're trying to coordinate an online group, you still have to deal with, you know, uh, internet connectivity, time zones, etc. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've had people like, okay, so I'm in Central Time. A lot of people are in West Coast Time. So, you know, it's 10 o'clock. I'm like, all right, well, I'm going to get ready for bed. And they're like, what? <laughs> it's early. <laughs> <And> like, <laughs> Getting ready so early. Like, yeah, it's, uh, you know, 8 o'clock there. So sometimes, you know, like, it's hard to make, uh, play with friends in the West Coast. Is this a full-time job for you, working for Overbuff? Um, I mean, it's technically part-time. You did say that you keep an eye on it almost all the time, but it probably doesn't add up to 40 hours. I mean, if it did, it's not like, I'm not 100% focused on like watching this Twitter feed. Like, I mean, I have alerts when Blizzard tweets something out, or I have a page that um, is a script running for watching what developers are saying, and I can get notifications or whatnot that way. So a lot of it's very passive. Even for a part-time job, though, you need to be good at setting your own boundaries because social media never sleeps. And if you wanted, you could be watching the streams 24-7. Oh, I could be. And yeah, no, I like weekends, I don't watch as much. Like usually on Wednesday nights because I play Dungeons and Dragons on both those times. Like I said, I have a lot of notifications set up. So a lot of the processes are automated or notifications of important things are automated. Are you the sole social media person for Overbuff? I am. There, there are a few people who have access to it who work with Overbuff, but I'm the primary person. How about that? Um, one of them, one of our writers, he's on West Coast, and he knows I go to bed about 10 o'clock Central, so he'll post something late at night and he'll tweet about it. But most of it's all me. And do you all use TweetDeck to coordinate so that you're not tweeting over each other? Uh, we have a program called Buffer we use, which is a social media or social uh, program. You can post to Facebook. Twitter and Instagram, I think. We don't use it for that. But um, we've actually had one instance in the last, uh, what, six months I've been working there? Five months I've been working there where we both tweeted something at the same time. And that was actually just the other day. <laughs> so, I mean, Oops. Yeah, it was no big deal. He deleted his. He's like, oh, sorry about that. Mm -hmm. But other than that, it's almost always me doing things. So there's no real worry of double posting. Yeah, I've looked at Buffer. It seems comparable to Hootsuite if other people have used yes. that program. Yeah, very similar programs. Mm -hmm. uh, this is what the uh, people I work with used when I started, so I just picked it up. 
Now, you were you were on the, the Polygamer podcast a couple of years ago talking about freelance writing and how that works and whether or not it's fair to expect people to work for free in order in exchange for publicity or building their portfolio. I don't remember the details, though. Is Overbuff your first time getting paid to work in the games industry, like actual cash money? It is. It is. All these years later. Congratulations. (laughs) Thank you. I was so happy when I first got my first paycheck. Like, wow, I'm finally getting paid to work in the games industry, even though I've been here for, what was it, three years, four years (laughs) at the job? (laughs) And you've been a gamer your your entire life. Absolutely. I have a picture of me playing on my dad's VIC-20 when I was probably one or less. (laughs) Oh, gosh. Wow. You were basically born with this. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. And it only took you a lifetime to finally get this position. How did it feel to be in the games industry? Uh, I I honestly, I love it. I love it here. I mean, things change all the time, especially in uh, esports where Overwatch is definitely pushing in too heavily. So who knows what the future will bring? Who knows where I'll be in a year? Who knows what I'll be in six months. But um, now that I'm here, I, I really love it. I mean, I really started loving it when I started. Oh, God, it's already been three years since I first went to Pass East. Uh, so I picked it up shortly before that. But uh, I've been loving it ever since. And now I get to actually do it as my job. And I just, I'm so happy. Does this get you into special events as a representative of Overbuff? I haven't been with the company long enough to say, but I mean, to say for sure, but kind of, yeah. <laughs> and didn't you go to a Blizzard convention? Yes, I did. Last November, I went to BlizzCon, which is their almost yearly Blizzard convention of our convention of all things Blizzard. And that was a lifelong dream for you, wasn't it? Yes, ever since they started doing that. I mean, I was been playing World of Warcraft since it came out, like a few months after it came out, and see all the fun and amazing things that happen at BlizzCon. And this year, I finally got to go. I was like, it was like almost like a very last minute trip. I wasn't going to go, and I got this job. I'm like, well, I should probably do everything I can to make sure this happens. So I got a ticket, found some people to check up with, and uh, <laughs> there we go. And I finally got to go. It was, it was one of the highlights of my year, if not the highlight of the year. What was so great about it? I mean, you've been to a lot of gaming conventions. What made this one so special? So like I've mentioned before a couple of times, I've been played World of Warcraft for so long. And I was also part of uh, World of Warcraft Twitter. So I knew so many people for you know five, six, seven years. And I finally got to meet a whole bunch of them, a whole slew of them. Other Blizzard fans, other Warcraft fans, other Overwatch fans. Got to meet them. Got to go to this amazing event that's almost basically tailored towards me and all the other people there, like specifically. And got to see lots of cool announcements. Got to see developers doing interviews or, or panels about their games. Got to play some of the games with other people. And uh, just like, it was just an amazing experience. It's, I keep saying like, amazing, 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 but so much fun, especially for someone who's been playing Blizzard games since Warcraft 1. Was that 93, 94? Most companies don't have their own conventions. Are there are there enough games from Blizzard to warrant one entire event for just that one publisher, one developer? I mean, apparently they've had, what, a 10 now? Wow. So I think it's 10, give or take. And so, like, apparently so. And I mean, at 10, you know, they didn't have Overwatch. They didn't have uh, StarCraft 2 or Diablo 3 for a while. It was just World of Warcraft and I think Diablo 2 for a bit. I mean, they're really prominently talking about it. And then as things come on, go on and life goes on, they release more games and they can talk about more and more things. And so, yeah, apparently they feel it's enough. Is Overwatch your favorite Blizzard game? It's a toss-up between that and World of Warcraft because I just put so much time into that and so much of my life was, wow, World of Warcraft. And uh, 
Like I don't play that as much anymore, but it still has a deep, happy, special place in my heart. I imagine with an MMORPG, you need to constantly be leveling up your character and going on quests, whereas with Overwatch, you don't really level up your characters. They are pretty static, is that right? Yeah, nothing changes. You, the only thing that changes is you play more, you get a different portrait, which uh, doesn't change anything. Like, like just a border around your portrait. How about that? <laughs> and uh, you can earn skins and like different different costumes for your heroes or whatever, but none of that is based on time at all. So you can step away for as long as you want and come back and still be competitive without worrying about other people having advanced out of your range. Correct. Yep. I mean, maybe maybe you if you don't play for a while, you'll lose some of your really good aim. But um, other than that, no, they, they make basic, or like minor changes to balance, like heroes, if they say someone's doing too much damage in each shot, they'll reduce their bullet damage or increase the cooldown so you can't use your super special abilities as much. But it's always the same basic game every time. I've heard of patches to other first-person shooters where they, for example, lowered the rate of fire of certain games, which angered some hardcore players so much that they started threatening the developers who wrote that patch. But it sounds like Overwatch might not be that toxic. Nonetheless, have there been changes to the game that have not been so well-received? Um, I don't want to say not well-received, because people start figuring out, like, oh, this is for the best. I mean, oh yeah, that makes sense. I mean, recently there was the um, whole three-tank, four-tank meta, which was called, what it was called, which means basically out of six players, you pick basically as many tanks as you can possibly get, and you have one healer healing them all up, or two healers healing them all up. So they were virtually, virtually unkillable because they had so many hit points. And the healers, one of the healers was really, really strong, Ana, one we talked about earlier. So they had to make some changes to nerf, as it's called, or, or weaken some of her healing abilities. Not to where she's not useful, just not as strong as they were. And some of the tanks lost some hit points or changed their armor so it's not as strong. So like, that's, that's probably the most controversial change they've had. <laughs> but, I mean, controversial is a strong word for it. Well, that reminds me of another question, which is Overbuff, the company you work for, where does the word buff come from in this context? You know, that's a very good question. <laughs> I don't know. Um, Dota buff came first, and then they just decided, hey, we'll do that with Overwatch as well, and they just kept the same theme. I honestly don't know where they got the buff word from. I'll have to ask them about it. Well, doesn't buff have a connotation in RPGs, like a character or an item yeah. can give you a buff? You can, you know, you give someone buffs and you make them stronger. But and so maybe, but I don't know if it is here or not. The same, same meaning. I always got confused when I heard people talking about buffs because I'm familiar with items giving you an advantage or a bonus, like plus one against ice monsters or whatever. I just had never heard it called a buff, and the only thing I could think of was like. When you're buffing something out of a car, you're like you're basically going over one section of the car over and over, and so oh, like man. and so like I'm like well I was thinking like the healer in my party is giving me a buff and I could just imagine her like running up to me and like rubbing my arm and like okay. like she was a battle masseuse or something. Ken, did you ever watch SNL in the in the 80s or 90s? I did not. What did I miss? Uh, the two Swedish buff guys <laughs> who would go. We are going to pump you up. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, okay, so I got... Right now, I'm realizing my story. I was changing the word from pump to buff. <laughs> <laughs> but buff is supposed to be like when you're buffing someone up. When you're, you're getting stronger. Buff up. Right, I, exactly. And like, I not, can imagine... Not buffing like a car. 
Well, like, I could imagine being, like, in combat with a dragon and, and saying to my party, I need a buff, and suddenly one of those iron pumpers run over and put their hands on the back of my neck and start squeezing, like, hey, man, you're doing great. You got this. You got this. Go in there. Come on. You got it. I like this. This is way better than anything I've heard. <laughs> See, that's the kind of buff I want. So. I can't believe it. I've never thought of that connotation before. <laughs> my mind works in mysterious ways. So you said it's been three years since you first attended PAX East. Is Overbuff sending you to PAX East 2017? Uh, they are not, but I'm going to go anyway. I was already going to because I'm going to be on a panel. Excellent. I know that we're still sort of, even though the panel has been accepted, the schedule has been fully published. And in fact, by the time this podcast airs, the panel may have already happened. But can you give us a brief glimpse into what it might be about? Um, That's a good question. We are still, er er we're, we're all ironing out the specifics, but it's going to be regarding allyship and LGBTQ, P, soup, all that, uh, all our letters here. We're trying to get representatives from various, um, all the letters that we can get. Not as a, not as the collect them all or collect the whole set, but we just want to have a broad spectrum, make sure we're covering everybody or as many people as we can, and also of different uh, races as well. So we're trying to get the whole spectrum. I know one of our common, uh, criticisms in the past was like we were all white people like on the last few panels where we, we had done panels on why it's still rad to be a woman in the games industry and yeah we were all a bunch of white people up there talking so we're trying to spread that out a bit and uh also talk about different letters like i fall under trans we have someone who's gonna uh bisexual we have pansexual and we have people who are not claim they're gay <laughs> who identify as gay yeah so we're gonna talk about that and allyship so the name of that panel is Why It's Awesome Being an LGBTQ Ally? Uh, no, no, actually, I don't, I honestly at the moment don't know if we have a title or we probably do since all the schedule is out, but I don't know it off the top of my head. Oh, okay. Friday night, Friday night, I think it's Arachnid. Yes, Arachnid at 8 p.m. Yes, and if you're, if you're listening to this after PAX, you missed it on Friday night in the Arachnid Theater. <laughs> but it, <laughs> it was recorded, I presume? Um, what's that? It was recorded, the panel. Oh, yeah, um, to my knowledge, it was. <laughs> <laughs> or will be. Ah, the time plan, warp. The plan is or was, will, to have been, past tense, future past tense. <laughs> you have to conjugate that verb. You use the infinitive. Come on. <laughs> so, Well, cool. Well, I'm sorry I'm not going to be able to be there, but you did mention the alphabet soup, LGTBQIA, how you fall under T. And that was actually something that came up not just at last year's PAX East panel, but on a recent episode of Polygamer. I was interviewing Mr. Matt Baum, who interviewed you for his project. Is that correct? Yes, he did. He came out here to Fargo just to interview me. Yay. And that was for Playing with Pride? Yes. Cool. I think that's a name he finally settled on. He was, he was uh, not sure for a while. Yeah, I got to see a rough cut of some of the content at Gamer X East, and I was so surprised and delighted to see you up there on the big screen. Uh, and he told us personally on the Polygamer podcast when he was on just a few months ago the story that he that I think you related to him about your experience on a PAX East 2016 panel, which was similarly about LGBTQIA issues in the gaming community, and how you came out as trans. Yeah, well, actually, kind of, I I told the story how I re came out or, or came out again, because like I have I've been out for years now, but um I was up on that panel, and uh, here I was I probably looked like I was just nervous as all heck, um but I was actually more nervous about like what am I going to say I'm up here with these amazing people up here and I don't really have a story of my own, 
And the question was asked, uh, like, what's some of the hardships you have here? And I just basically re-came out as trans, but was kind of choked up. I didn't realize I had all this tension built up in me uh, about um, the difficulties I've had over my life. And so I, I choke up, I sit there, and I'm starting to tear up, and all of a sudden the crowd just goes wild. And <laughs> that was just an amazing, amazing moment and made me feel so much better. And from that point on, it was much better and much more at ease about what I was going to talk about. It was an amazing, wonderful experience. And to this day, I still still get happy thinking about it. Yay. It makes me happy, too. I was sitting right next to my, our friend, Nicole, and I think she may have been the one to start that cheering. <laughs> well, thank you, Nicole. <laughs> <laughs> For me, that was the first time I'd actually heard you identify yourself that way. Was this something that you were you did not often speak about in the gaming community? Was Well, I just... I. Didn't often talk about it, period. I just thought it was my own business. So, like, I didn't... Um, I Which wasn't, it is. I didn't identify. Yeah. And so, I just... That was always my viewpoint. And so, at this point, I'm finally like, okay, fine. I'm just going to get this out there. Didn't really feel like I was pressured to or had to. But, like, uh, maybe I felt some internalized pressure that I wasn't aware of, but I just did it. I wanted people to know that, hey, I'm here. I've seen a number of trans people here. And, and I've been at Gamer X events and seeing... A lot of people like me as well, and like, hey, I'm here too. You're not in. You're not alone. And I want people to know that. No, oh, that is great because, kind of like the nonprofit, take this. There are concerns in this community that a lot of people think they might be alone and experiencing, and they don't talk about it. And by getting it out there, it makes it easier to know that you're not alone. That there are other people just like you. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I mean, that helped me in the past be it trans or just being a woman in the games industry. And I like, hey, I'm here. I've got a voice. I've got a microphone right in front of me. I want people to know that you're not alone. <laughs> like, I'm here too. And, no. uh, we, we can get through this together. That's a really powerful offer that you made, which is to put yourself out there and let people know that basically there's an open invitation for them to talk to you and to let them know that they're not alone because Sabriel's here. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I've had a few people even since then um, find me on Facebook or find me on Twitter and just want to talk not, even if it's not about anything major they just want to know that I'm here, I'm listening and uh, they've been wonderful people and I'm so happy to have met them and it's also great to hear that you can have an experience like that at PAX because it is not often perceived as being what some would call a safe space for that sort of experience or that sort of audience Oh, I know. It's a common fear. People want to know, like, what's PAX actually like? Is it just a bunch of bros getting together, doing bro things that bros do? But I uh, know, in my experience, like, it's I've never had that happen. Oh, nope. I want to say I've almost never had that happen. It's been a very welcome experience. I've had, I've met so many people there. I've, um, I know I go to there intentionally to meet those friends, and I also meet new people every year. And there's tons of people like me. There's tons of women there. And uh, there's you're not alone. It's not just a bunch of bros being bros. Like, it's a very welcoming event. There aren't many buffs there. <laughs> well, they are. They, they just work out. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Now, when you come to Paxies this year, are you going to be entering any Overwatch competitions? Uh, no. I actually <laughs> this last weekend here in town and here in Fargo. But not enough people signed up, so it was really rough going because we had three teams and things were not very balanced. Oh. And so my team, I, as I likened it to being punched in the face for four hours. <laughs> oh no, that doesn't sound like fun at all. Uh, well, I mean, at first it was okay, yeah, these guys are way better than us, but then 
they just kept adding more rounds. I'm like, why? I don't know why you keep adding more rounds. Like, <laughs> I think you've proven everything by now. Yeah, I, th- I think it's very clear that these people are better than us. Like, they- we should not be playing this round. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> I mean, you, you mentioned that you might not know where you're going to be a year from now. There must be a huge Overwatch esports community that you alluded to. It would be awesome to see you not necessarily competing, unless that's your thing, but maybe like doing commentary or interviews with some of the players and uh, athletes. You have been on my exact goal. That is my, uh, that is my goal. I want to do on-camera work. Oh, no, I've outed I... you again. <laughs> no, if you would have said it, I would have eventually. Mm. No, no, I talked about this on Twitter periodically or in the past. Even if I think I was before I even got the overbuff position. I talked about how I wanted to do something in esports. And um, I wanted to be a prominent woman and be also be a tra- you know, trans woman in esports. And I got so many people retweeting and favoriting it and just chiming in and their opinions and wanting this as well. People want to see this. And so it's kind of my goal as I'm hoping be able to do on-camera work i discovered in the last few years now that i'm more comfort confident and comfortable with my body and who i am and whatever like i love being on camera i'm a sucker for the camera <laughs> all my life i had no idea i had this in me and now uh here it is there's a camera i'm like i go right into action mode and ready to do this that's awesome and i you have a youtube channel that you keep active and you are often doing the face cam reaction shot while you play games which is a great way to express yourself and to get known i think you'd be a natural for some live camera work as well well thank you thank you i also started doing some more twitch streaming i know it's been a popular topic lately on the show (laughs) oh you have i i was not aware you'd moved over to that channel um i I don't i don't want to say moved over but periodically here i'll get a few hours in the afternoon i don't have a schedule or anything like that but i'll chime in there for a few hours lately it's been overwatch but once in a while i will still play other games like right now i'm playing an adventure game uh, called uh, Heroine's Quest, the Herald of Herald of Ragnarok, I think it's called. And uh, I'm thinking about streaming that. I want to stream Yotun. I'm really actually huge into Vikings right now. <laughs> so um, I'm playing all the Viking games I can get. And I want to stream as much as I can. I even streamed where in, where in North Dakota is Carmen San Diego for a bit. Seriously? And I missed it? I, I think it was one or two streams. And <sighs> uh, the sound, <laughs> the music in the game is uh grading to the ears so i couldn't do it <laughs> wow yep you have more followers than me you win what is it like three <laughs> you have you have exactly uh four more followers than i do so seven <laughs> yeah. i have no idea how many <laughs> i have 43 you have 47 oh, okay okay <laughs> you win say real you win wow yeah one of the requirements to be a twitch partner is to have a broadcast schedule where you can reliably be on the air at a certain time every week, which is something neither of us have done, and we'll probably never really achieve mass followings until we do that. But it's nice to just pop in every now and then and surprise people with, hey, oh my gosh, Sabriel's online. How fortunate that I happen to be online at the same time and yeah. can watch it now. <laughs> uh, you know, maybe one day I'll actually sit down and make a, a, a schedule. I mean, I've thought about it, but I don't know how much. Like, I still do a lot of running around, I do errands and whatnot. Um, so who knows if that's in my future, but I like the stream when I can, and I enjoy it. I also have become very much aware of my, um, what, I, what do I call it, the try-hard face, where you're focusing and you're not really <laughs> realizing what your face is doing until you see it on camera. <laughs> it's usually very embarrassing. <laughs> I would call that your game face. 
<laughs> or your game face, yes. So now I make an, I mean, I'm always smiling already. So I make an active effort to see smiling instead of doing the try hard face. <laughs> <laughs> when you do Twitch streaming, do you archive your content for YouTube? I have not. I know Twitch has been keeping it for a while, but um, I have in the past that I just didn't see any value in the ones that I had played yet. And so if I have a game that I think is valuable keeping, I will. But it's, it's not that I don't want to see that or don't have it. I just don't think times I don't feel it was very useful or time or useful or to have or sure interesting to have. Yeah. I just realized as look at my desktop. I have notes. I was playing the marvelous mistake a few months ago and one of the developers chimed in and it was actually sitting there watching me play and chat and talking about the game. How did that make you feel? That was amazing. That was so cool. It's <laughs> like, and he was, he was a uh, very nice about, uh, my gameplay and he's like i'm so happy to see you actually going through here and trying like a lot of people they just try or they, they try once and then just give up and don't play again or they get frustrated and you see me actually try to get through the puzzles and playing very well he said uh and he thought it was awesome <laughs> and so that was a really cool experience it is cool that we have a community that is small enough and has the tools for interaction that allows you to engage with creators so accessibly. Now, certainly that can be abused, as in the case I mentioned earlier of that patch that changed the machine gun fire rate, and people knew exactly who to complain to and how vociferously to do so. But when you honestly admire somebody's work, you can engage with them on that level, especially if they're an indie developer, and that's really cool. I love that part about the internet. (laughs) Hmm. So remind our listeners where they can engage with you, since they are such huge fans. Yes. you can reach me on Twitter. I'm at Sabriality, S-A-B-R-I-A-L-I-T-Y. Or you can go to Facebook, it's the same thing. And uh, yeah, <laughs> there'll be links in the show notes, I'm sure, right, Ken? Yes, there are links to all these in the show notes found at polygamer.net. Wow, Sabriel, I'm so glad to have had you back on the show. We talked about such different things from your last appearance because there's been so much exciting new change in your life. I'm so glad to see you expanding your roles into areas that you're really passionate about and are really enjoying because that's something that you deserve. Thank you so much. And I don't think I realized it until we were talking here, just how much has changed. Yeah, you are someone who... You are, what's the saying? Uh, you, you don't let any moss grow on you because you are constantly looking for new opportunities and pursuing them. And that takes a certain amount of passion, drive, and ambition. And you have all those things. <laughs> so I'm looking forward to seeing you at PAX East. Uh, again, by the time this episode airs, I may have already missed your panel due to some conflicting travel plans of my own. But we'll be catching up during your extended stay in Boston, which is fantastic. And then at some point, I need to go back to Fargo and check out that new vegan restaurant that just opened. Yeah, sure about up there. The city has changed a lot in the last two years. <laughs> I look forward to it. Thanks so much, Sabriel. Oh, thank you for having me again. Thank you for being had. This has been Polygamer, a GameBits production. Find more episodes, read our blog, or send feedback at polygamer.net. That's S A B R I Sabriel. Oh, oh dear. I realize I don't spell it too often. <laughs> Let's try that again. <laughs> yes. You can engage with me at Twitter on at Sabriality, S-A-B. 
R I A L T Y. I'm also on. Oh, I, I, I think you forgot a, a vowel. Did I forget a vowel? I T Y. Let's try this the third time. <laughs> let's, let's, let's pull it up. So I can just read it off there. You can keep this in if you want. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> it might be an outtake. <laughs>